Today, we're talking about a game that came out so late in the Genesis life cycle that it never really had a chance to shine. This is Pixelated Audio, episode 38, featuring Ristar. another episode of the bi-weekly video game music and retro gaming podcast pixelated audio if you're new to the show we are your hosts i'm brian and with me is james thanks for joining in pretty fun set of tracks we have today yeah and we were actually talking about what kind of show we wanted to do next even though we had a few lined up we figured that you know we haven't done a genesis game in a really long time so today we're going to be talking about an action platformer called restar or restar the shooting star in japan which came out in february of 1995 developed and published by sega and the team responsible for development on this title was Sonic Team. Yeah, it was Sonic Team and another team at Sega that did the Sega game to Shokan titles for the MegaNet, which was that subscription service in Japan for downloading games through a modem attachment. Right. That was the predecessor to the Sega channel, which we all remember fondly and loved. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the track that brought us in was Pray, Pray, Play, which is the opening theme for Restar, composed by Tomoko Sasaki. It's, it's a really fun poppy track. Like mm-hmm. it, it starts off kind of slow and, you know, has this kind of like pop techno kind of beat. I like that. It's, it's fun. It's a fun track. Yeah. I mean, it had the all the sounds that one I love for the Genesis and oh, yeah. it, for those like 90s mascot style games, you know, like Sonic and stuff like that. Like it just was it was fun and it went really well with the opening and the, the whole space vibe. And mm-hmm. and I just love how there's like the the beginning part that's kind of like oh what's going on and i feel like i'm out in space and then it just kicks up and then just k- takes off with that great genesis synth you know and this this title screen too always gets me because i am a sucker for the the mascot mm-hmm. like on the screen so like sonic the hedgehog oh, his, yeah. his title screen he, you know he's sitting there shaking his finger doing mm-hmm. his thing this is very very similar yeah. and we'll get into the similarities later too but uh, you know, Restar, he's he's just standing there and he's kind of like tapping his feet and mm-hmm. doing his thing and the, this music plays and I'm just, oh, I'm a sucker for that. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, like little animated uh, title screens. You know, yeah. which, the Genesis was great for doing. They had a lot of really cool uh, title screens. Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun track and I'm glad that uh, we started off with this because it just pumps you up for the, the rest of the stuff coming. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying, Ristar is an action platformer that's heavily compared to Sonic. But unlike Sonic, Ristar moves at a walking pace and can only jump about the height of a sprite, which isn't very high. Yeah, Ristar's main ability is his stretchy arms. There's really only two buttons used on the game, so A and C on the Genesis controller jump, and then the B button is used to stretch out his arms. And you can shoot those out in eight different directions. So even when you're in the air, you can shoot below you and grab things or you know, mm-hmm. attack enemies below you. And you use this to attack enemies by grabbing them and pulling them towards your head, kind of like a like a headbutt. Yeah. And since your arms are always in tandem, you can't use them independently. So you can kind of think of this as like a grappling hook. Mm-hmm. There's actually some other uses for these stretchy arms too. You can use it to grab ladders and platforms and even momentarily grab walls. And since you can't jump very high, this becomes really crucial for platforming. Yeah, it's like 16-bit parkour. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, the health system is very easy to understand as well. Your health bar is at the top. I guess it's not really a health bar. Right. Just four stars that kind of represent your how many hits you can take. Yeah. And each time you take a hit, you lose a star. You lose four stars and you die. 
Right. And scattered throughout the levels, there are a few chests that can give you different things like health and lives and even gems. So if you open a chest and you get a gold star, that'll give you one star back to your meter. If you find a blue star, that'll replenish your entire health bar. Right. You can also find tiny little wrist star statues that give you one ups. And then the gems are points that go towards your score for the end of the level. Right, right. And I think it's every 30,000 points or something like that, you get a one up. Yeah. So it kind of helps to to maintain collecting stuff because really, I mean, if you start losing too many lives, you won't make it through the, this game. And it, it gets pretty challenging. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool platforming elements that really ramp up in difficulty later on in the game. Yeah, it's a really well-designed game. Anyways, we're going to get into our first block of music here. We're going to play Shooting Ristar, and we're going to play Dancing Leaves. So let's listen to that, and we'll be right back. You just heard Shooting Restar and Dancing Leaves composed by Tomoko Sasaki for Restar on the Sega Genesis. Super fun tracks. I mm-hmm. love these so much. These are like the first intro to the game where you just get to start playing and get to a feel for the, the movement and the controls and mm-hmm. having this really cheerful kind of peppy 
rich sounding track. It's just really fun, and I think it's it's perfect for this game. Oh yeah, I mean this this right there shows you how great of a, a music this game has and how cool this game can be. I mean the track was so lively. I thought the first one, Shooting Restar, was very kind of dancey, um, great trumpets, awesome beat. Um, I mean. And then that, that scaling kind of trumpet towards the end, right towards the end of the track, I was like, oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah, it has its own little solo at the mm -hmm. end there. That's that's pretty rad. I like the bass line of this track a lot, too. And there's a, I don't know, to me it has this really Caribbean feel. Yeah. It's like a lot more, dare I say, you know, Sonic-like mm -hmm. sounds, but, uh, you know, it, it definitely is a lot more mellow. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more, you know, slowed down, and I think yeah. it's, you know, where Sonic, you get a lot of this kick, snare, kick, snare, like mm -hmm. really, really fast drum beat throughout the whole all the tracks. You know, this is takes a more mellow approach. It's a lot more just like this kind of swing vibe. Yeah, and like we were mentioning, Ristar moves a lot slower than Sonic. I mean, no one really moves as fast as Sonic. So yeah. you would expect that, you know, we don't need that fast, intense music. And Ristar, he's kind of like this smiley little guy. And, and the game just makes you feel happy. And this music it just makes me smile. Like, I couldn't help but... You know, just kind of like start dancing along to this that first track. The shooting restart is just so good, right? And all the the little like sprites on the screen mm -hmm. kind of dance with the music. It's yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, the the next track I liked a lot too. The dancing leaves, mm -hmm. the steel drum in there. Yeah, just wild. That one so was good. very Caribbean. I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely sticks with that that tropical feeling. Yeah, and one thing I noticed too for for this track was that each kind of section of the song it loops but it loops like just enough. It doesn't loop too much to where you're like, okay, is this what the whole song is going to be? It does like maybe like two little loops and then moves on to another section of the song, which I yeah. thought was great because you kind of get to hear a sound that you might like and then you get to hear it again a little bit and then it kind of moves on and the song kind of grows. So I really liked that. I thought it was a really good um, sense of pace for this track. Yeah, it's a good mix. It doesn't get too repetitive and make you sick of it. Mm -hmm. And these levels aren't very long. And this first... Uh, this first level is called Planet Flora. It's broken into a few different stages. So I think each level in the game has two stages. Yeah, something like that. Two yeah. little like zones type. Of right, thing. and which? Yeah, it's very Sonic-like. Very Sonic-like. The little, like. the little uh, title for each section or zone is so much like Sonic. Like it has like the little kind of like jaggy designs and stuff like that. Like <laughs> like a Sonic, you know, with like the little right. stars and little sawtooth type stuff. And uh, immediately, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh man, that's so Sonic, but it's made by Sonic Team and it's very much a 90s mascot game. So. Right. And so this level is very cheerful, very bright, mm -hmm. rich colors. It's uh, It's got a very kind of tropical feel. Yeah. And uh, very match exotic. It matches the, the music very well mm -hmm. too. I think that what I like about this is it kind of reminds me of the Green Hill Zone in Sonic. It's very it does, like yeah. bright and, and happy looking. It looks very like um, organic mm -hmm. feeling. I think to to start you off and you know this kind of level is is good because it it really gets you pumped to enjoy this fun platformer that looks all happy and nice mm -hmm. right now. But you know there's obviously more to more to come. Yeah, I mean, like most games, the further along in the game you get, the darker and more dangerous it feels. So, this, like you said, this first level is very fun, great start. Uh, it really does show you a lot of, of different ways to use the, the stretchy arm and the mechanics and gives you a good sense of safety, kind of moving around and feeling safe, but then there's still enough enemies to kind of start to hone in some of those skills. Right, it's not overly cluttered with, with enemies, and there's a lot of those, like you were saying, platforming elements that you can use to kind of explore mm -hmm. how the character moves and how, you know, his jump height is and, mm -hmm. you know, how to, you know, damage enemies or, you know, whatnot, how to just climb or traverse around. And I think that a, a level like this that isn't too too overly um, cluttered really mm -hmm 
kind of helps a first time player kind of adapt to that style. So like most 90s platformers, there's really not much in the story department. But it's enough to be fun, you know, keep you interested. Yeah. So you play in a faraway solar system called Valdi that's been taken over by an evil tyrant named Kaiser Greedy. And Greedy has used mind control to take over all the leaders of the seven planets in the solar system and force them to work for him. But before the final leader is corrupted, a desperate plea for help is sent out into the galaxy. And this plea is heard and answered by Ristar, a tiny humanoid yellow star. Now, there's some differences between the North American version and the Japanese versions of the story. In all versions of the game, the events take place in the Valdi system. So that's identical. Right. And in the Japanese version, the inhabitants of planet Flora pray for a hero and their prayers reach the star goddess Aruto. She awakens one of her children, being Restar, to go help the innocent people. And, you know, he's got to go stop greedy and the brainwashed leaders. And that's the same as the North American version as well. Yeah. And also in the English version, the star goddess is omitted altogether. Instead, Ristar has a father figure, the legendary hero, who apparently is a shooting star that protects the Valdi system. So in this story version, the legendary hero gets kidnapped by Greedy, and it's up to Ristar to rescue his father as well as save the leaders. Right. And the Japanese version of the game ends with Greedy and a few of his minions stranded on a desert planet. The ending of the American version shows Ristar being reunited with his father once again. It's kind of weird because at the end, it just shows him like kind of reaching. Yeah, there's like these giant arms that you can see that are just like Ristar's, except for just a lot bigger. It was a little creepy. I asked you about that. I was like, hey, do you remember this? And you're like, yeah, yeah, it's dad. Well, you beat the game before I did. And you said, well, when you when you finally beat it, there's some questions about the story I want to ask you. And the first thing I text you as soon as I beat it was, are you going to ask about the father at the end? Yeah, because I I must have missed that because, you know, I played this game growing up Mm -hmm. and I always kind of skipped over that first part and mm-hmm. didn't watch it didn't maybe I just didn't remember the details there but at the end of the game this is my first time beating it actually mm-hmm. the end of the game you know you see these giant arms reaching down I'm like what is yeah. this? this is creepy but it's like that father figure kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, once I heard about the, the Japanese version of the story, I liked it so much better. It made so much more sense. It it felt weird like if if his father was this legendary hero and his father was was kidnapped it i felt like they would have made a bigger deal about it and where it was just like a very (laughs) a very quick little mention right and i I do remember hearing that it was or i do remember when i beat the game thinking that the story was something like the hero's son was awoken and 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 so i thought maybe the the hero was like old and he was like not able to do it anymore so then a new hero was born but i couldn't quite remember yeah i guess that's not even quite the story either yeah anyways we're going to get into our next track this is from round two and it's called splashdown
That was Splashdown, composed by Tomoko Sasaki for Ristar on the Sega Genesis. I think you mean Splashdown. Yeah. There's exclamation points in there. No, that was a cool track. The bubbles in the beginning, that bubble sound, it's like repeating notes over and over. But it gives you that effect. I mean, this is not just me. I'm sure everybody got the same feeling of it that, you know, it progressively gets louder and louder, like... Like in, when you're in the pool and you're you know you're a kid and you you know blow bubbles and they mm-hmm. slowly get bigger as they inch toward the surface. Yeah, uh, it kind of gave me that feeling the the you know way through this track. Yeah, I mean like the title suggests, Splashdown, that this is a water level and it's a very cool water level. I mean, the, and the music is very water level like to me. I mean, yeah. uh, I love those hi hats. Um, that's not necessarily water level like, <laughs> but uh, that's just one of the first things I really like the the hi hats that you hear in it. Um, those scaling notes very feel very much like bubbles to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought was very cool. And there's also this like echoed sound. I think they do that. You see that in like Donkey Kong. You see it in Sonic. You see it in mm-hmm. even Mario. A lot of that kind of echoey, mm-hmm. you know, underwater vibe, and that's it pulls it off. I mean, she does a, a good job at getting that that feeling across. This is a fun level, though. Yeah. You know, and it, I gotta say, you know. Unlike Sonic, unlike a lot, in fact, unlike all games, I despise water levels. Yeah. And this is almost as much as ice levels. <laughs> exactly. No, ice levels still are the worst. Yeah. And uh, and this level is is actually really fun. In this game, mm-hmm. underwater levels are fun. Mm-hmm. They're actually really well designed. You have a lot of movement. Yeah. I mean, it's a great little like maze type level and you don't have to worry about breathing or hitting bubbles or drowning or anything like that. And Ristar, he just moves really well underwater. His mechanics, his his grappling arms thing works really great underwater as well. Right. And there's even uh, like the jump button in, in the game. It used to, uh, it's used in this situation to kind of swim fast. Yeah, you can like kind of dart yeah. in certain directions, but it's really cool. I mean, it, it looks cool. It's like you're in this underwater cave mm-hmm. and there's like a, like starfish and Nautilus and, yeah. and uh, I guess, you know, seahorses that are attacking you and stuff. It's, it's yeah. pretty fun. I mean, it's very aquatic ruin feel kind of like sonic and one of the things that i initially just absolutely loved about this is when you first get in the water it's bright and sunny and the further down you go the darker things get like the actual lighting of the game changes to get darker and darker and i thought wow that is so cool like it's as he's getting deeper there's less light getting to the bottom and i thought that was just really awesome it was a great little touch yeah in this level and all the levels actually there's a lot of little puzzle elements to the platforming aspects Mm -hmm. and especially this one i I remember it being a little bit challenging because you have to there's this section that's it's like gated off and you know where you have to go but you're not quite sure how to open the gate and you kind of have to look around the level and there's like certain i want to say like starfish stuck on the wall or these kind of emblem looking yeah i thought of them as kind of like almost like a mayan like mask like a stone tablet or something and and they're shooting out bad guys at you and Mm -hmm. so you're thinking to yourself okay i gotta kill these bad guys we actually just have to kill that that mask thing Mm -hmm. and then the gate opens up but they're kind of in weird spots so Mm -hmm. you know you don't necessarily always have like the perfect view of them you have to kind of go search around for them so i thought that was pretty rad and sometimes the water level will actually be low and you can't get to them yet so you have to wait yeah. for the water level to rise up and then you can yeah see so it's kind of has a little bit of an auto scroller feel to it and you kind of got to take out bad guys as you get to them which is is really fun i mean this the music was so great in in this song or this this level the the look of the game the lighting change the swimming it was just so fun this was really one of my favorite levels in the game yeah it, it's weird to say that because it's a mm-hmm. it's a water level you know but if, if you want to play this game you won't be put off 
mm-hmm. I think by any of the levels really. I mean, they're all pretty unique and they all have their own cool touches and yeah. and the the platforming doesn't change no matter what the environment. Now there is some ice stuff we'll get into later, which is kind of a pain in that but you know <laughs> yeah. it's, it's but it's, it's still a good it's not it's, as bad as other eyes levels right so. anyways we got a, another block to play um you want to read that off yeah so we're going to play busy flare and under magma so we'll play those and be right back heard busy flare and under magma composed by tomoko sasaki for Ristar on the sega genesis i really like this block it's uh it starts to get a little bit more menacing and it has a you know a lot higher tempo yeah, which i really like it, it's it's built up a lot since this first few mm-hmm. tracks that we played and uh i really like the the wah, 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 mm-hmm. wah in the in the beginning there of that first track the busy flare yeah i thought that was that was cool because it gives you this sense of like heat mm-hmm. I, I i don't know i i got this sense of like like I guess you know, like when you look at a, a car in the sun and you can kind yeah, of see the heat, heat waves. waves and yeah. That it kind of gave me that feeling. Yeah, I, to me that kind of added like a like a siren, almost like a pressure valves are going to be released any second type thing, which I thought was really cool. Um, still very kind of dancey, poppy. It like really gets your your body feeling like it wants to move while you're playing. So yeah. it's not just your thumbs that makes your body want to move too. Um, great synth, and I really liked in this first track how. 
there was little parts where it it kind of slowed down and went down to just a few notes. It kind of had those little like little touches of yeah. or flares of sound. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, and it's funny because we weren't going to put this track in mm-hmm. Busy Flight. We weren't going to put it in the show. And you know, we kind of listened to it again. And we're like, man, this this really should go in there. It's yeah. kind of a rad, rad track. You know, so yeah, I, I thought that it was cool. Under Under Magma, the the second one. This is so. These are both the the first and second round of level three. Yeah. And so this is the the later half. And uh, this is even a little more intense to me. And I mm-hmm. get this uh, this funny, like white noise. It's like, psh, yeah, like, like pressure valves. Like you were saying earlier, like pressure valves. And uh, I wrote down like. I know, one thing I notice is that it starts in it, the panning is really interesting. So it starts in the right channel, and then it goes to the center, and you hear it in both ears, mm-hmm. and then it goes to the left channel, and you hear it only on the left. So it's like it's moving, and yeah. it's like you're turning your head looking at a pressure valve. It's really cool, and then it goes back to the center. Yeah. And I thought that kind of panning and you know moving around and then returning was an interesting element. I thought that she made good use of the the stereo sound in the Genesis. Yeah. I mean, really, you see a lot of times with panning, and panning is really cool. But you see them just kind of go left to the right and then either back and, and then maybe not even back. So to see them go like a slower progression of left, center, right, then back center, to center, yeah. stuff like that, I think is really cool because it really, it kind of adds to that panning effect where your ear kind of gets a chance to adjust with the noise and right. it actually follow it. Where it's, a lot of times panning quick. can be, sometimes panning can just kind of like make your ears feel like they're going crazy. You, know, you <laughs> yeah. don't know what's going on. So yeah, she has good control of the uh, Sega Genesis hardware and these mm-hmm. tracks are really deep and they're really rich. Yeah. There's a lot more going on to just the Sega Genesis than these, the six FM synth channels. Yeah. She's also making use of the PSG. And uh, I think that that just adds so much more complexity to these tracks and every one of them. Sometimes there's some, I don't know, to me, there's a few different areas where I'm like, okay, this channel probably doesn't need to be in there. It's a little bit noisy mm-hmm. and the, the track would be good on its own. But there's a lot of times where I think, wow, there, there's so much richness in the whole track when it's put together. Right. And if you really do leave something out, you're missing a, a section, even with all the crunchiness. I mean, that's part of yeah. the Genesis sweet spot, I guess. It does have that kind of crunchy, grind, yeah. grindy little... You, when you hear a song, you can, you can definitely think Genesis. And I think that's one thing that's great about Ristar is that it's... It, like you said, it came out so late in the system that it didn't really get a chance to be appreciated. But the ones that that saw it saw that this is almost like a portfolio piece for the Genesis to show kind of like this is how we're going to go out like on a game that has great graphics, great mechanics, amazing sound. And it's just really fun, well-rounded game. Right. This level, man, this was a challenging one. Yeah. Planet I, Scorch. Yeah. I think this is where the save states started kicking in. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, it's hard because like. There's there's different like right when you start out there's meteors and rocks like yeah. I guess magma or something falling down on you yeah you like gotta get instantly. moving yeah right away as soon as you come into the level it's like oh I gotta move so it was like you start taking damage and and they count they fall and like Randomly, a random yeah like yeah. a random pattern so yeah so it's it's really hard to time out there's this one part in this level too that the the lava I guess it is I guess lava it kind of rises up like the water level it's like mm-hmm. you know changes thing and you have to kind of monkey bar your way across like the mm-hmm. areas but like you have a, a very short distance to run before you can get to the next area mm-hmm. before that lava comes back up and it was so challenging i thought like wow this is such a cool aspect this is i wish more games did yeah. this kind of fun like time racy kind of skill-based platforming right and i mean with those stretchy arms it's not just jumping so like you know in other games where it's just pretty much if you can jump well like this you have to use the arms in a very quick and precise way to, you know, if you want to 
shoot them out at an angle it's you know sometimes you don't do that and you end up screwing up or it can end up setting up to make it harder and harder and so you got to move and use a lot of buttons in tandem because jump is a button on its own where shooting the arms out is the only way to grapple onto something right so like jumping and hitting a pole he just like hits the pole and slides down if you don't hit the grapple button so you're using a lot of these two buttons in combination to move very rapidly which is really fun yeah it kind of gives me this indiana jones vibe right yeah because let's say you're doing the monkey bars thing and you're you shoot your arms out at a you know at an upwards angle and uh you, you kind of fling yourself you kind of swing over to the next and you let go and then you shoot your arms out again you kind of create this you're swinging from like a whip kind of thing yeah. like different you know tarzan kind of thing it's it was rad i thought that was a super cool thing it's very forgiving yeah. when you're in the air as far as you can shoot your arms out and then you can immediately shoot them out right afterwards it's not like mm-hmm. this you know animated waiting time you can shoot them out right away so yeah. it's very successful and i like that well in this level especially really started to kind of move you in a direction where you had to get a good feel for how to to grapple and stuff like that because like you said in the the levels where it's you're kind of moving at the pace of the level you can kind of start to fall behind if you're kind of jumping and getting too close to the thing you're going to grapple because you can reach out pretty far and then he's going to zip forward faster so those are clever little ways to lose little fractions of a second in a level that could put you towards the end like a little bit behind yeah anyways let's go ahead and talk about the composer a little bit she's done a fantastic job on the soundtrack and a very interesting person Tomoko Sasaki is a Japanese composer from the Awamori Prefecture, and she got her start playing piano when she was really, really young. She was really influenced by a lot of Japanese composers, including Ryuchi Sakamoto from YMO, who also did some pretty popular games like Tengai Makyo, which is Far East Eden for the Super NES. And I guess she became really intrigued to do game composition after playing Mother on the Famicom and really getting into the music. Over the years, she's done a huge amount of work, both at Sega and as a freelancer, and a few of her more well-known titles that she's credited for are Panic on the Sega CD, Virtual Racing Deluxe for the 32X, Nights into Dreams, Christmas Nights, and Burning Rangers on the Saturn, Room Mania 203, Samba de Amigo, Space Channel 5 Part 2 on the Dreamcast, Feel the Magic, and Rub Rabbits for the Nintendo DS, Nights Journey of Dreams for the Wii, and Death Smiles 2X for the Xbox 360. She landed a job at Sega in 1992 and co-composed her first soundtrack, which was World of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. And what's really cool about this is she used the alias Maguro for the game, but later on for Restar, Sega used this alias as a cheat code to fully unlock the game's sound test. And the sound test also added a filter to the audio called Onchi Mode. I think another fascinating thing about Sasaki-san is she's very multi-talented. Not only has she done all of this game composition, but she's also done lyrics and voice work. And I have a clip that I want to play real quick uh, from the Sonic Team jingle from the mid-90s. Yeah, that's her voice. It's pretty yeah, cool. Awesome. Like I heard that so many times growing up and I was like, I always thought it was like cool. Like I Sonic Team in my head. Yeah. And, no, nah, I didn't know she did the voice on that. Yeah, you figured they just paid somebody to do it. Yeah, it was cool. And she, she also did a lot of other voices for Sega characters like the Chows mm-hmm. in Sonic and like Sonic Adventure and stuff later on. Yeah, and she ended up leaving Sega around 2008 after doing Knight's Journey of Dreams for the Wii, but still kept up the affiliation with Sega's audio team known as Wavemaster. There's also two more composers credited for this game. There's Naofumi Hataya and Masafumi Ogata, and we don't have any stuff to play from them, but mm-hmm. it's mostly like little jingles. They, they did a few 
tracks in there, but uh, there's not really a whole lot. I think they may have just lent some help. Mm -hmm. Maybe they were strapped for for time and they just needed a few extra tracks, but um, we'll save talking about them for another show. Yeah. So let's move on to our next track, Do Dee Da for Restar, and we'll be right back. from Ristar on the Sega Genesis composed by Tomoko Sasaki. What a fun little track. It, it's a little bit different than kind of what the game feels like it's been ramping up towards. Yeah. Um, to me, this felt kind of like in the beginning of the track, it was much more like a uh, preschooler's TV show that you're yeah. coming on. And then I really loved when the horns come up. It's, it very felt very beautiful and, and very cool. So. It, those little like voices are just so cheesy. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I can't even do that voice. It's like yeah. out of my pitch range but like it's it's so cheesy and i was just like oh my god i guess you know i was thinking this is one of those tracks i was saying that if you take away this layer this channel it's actually a pretty cool track and but i you know started thinking later on you know like you know what i i kind of like this mm-hmm. those little voices i think that's kind of rad yeah it made the game kind of fun and, and it had the sound be a little bit unique like a lot of games didn't use a lot of like voices like voice samples and stuff like that whereas this it kind of mixed it out throughout the whole game which was pretty cool yeah it's kind of like sims speak or whatever it yeah. makes no sense but it's you know they're saying something yeah who knows? well and you know that that ristar is a child like he was just born at the beginning of this game so i think that's kind of neat to think of like all these like children like voices throughout the game yeah and, and this this is a funny like part too because i think that you know, you hear these silly samples, and then it goes into this really, really pretty, uh, very rounded notes. It's a, I think it's like a like a trumpet or mm-hmm. trombone or something, but it's it's just really pretty. And like the scales in the background, I, I just I thought altogether the track was really well done. You know, yeah. aside from those those silly samples, it was a very pretty track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing that's that's really cool is that. You can't really tell what type of level it is based on the music for this one because there's not really much of a, a definitive sound to this theme. Right. Which so this is level four, which is Planet Sonata, and the whole level, the whole world has a uh, music theme to it. So there's right. like uh, guitars and trumpets and drums all over the place, which is really cool. I thought it was a little bit odd because everything moving up to it was like um like an element like fire or water yeah and um so kind of in towards the the middle-ish of this game there's a, a world that's not based on an element it's more of like a you know like music and, and it's very and, out of place yeah but it's, it's very out of place it's a beautiful level it's it's, it's super creative it's fun. and fun yeah, yeah. I, I like this a lot there's these little oh man there's like these guitars that are dancing on a keyboard mm-hmm. and they'll like come down and like smash you and yeah it's really weird yeah i think it's like when you jump they move so if you don't jump or it's like or when you hit the keys one of the things it was like based on how your movement was how they, right. they fell which it was really cool to see and one of the things that's kind of misleading about this is the music is like i said very childlike and the world doesn't seem that dangerous and it's very beautifully done but the difficulty level keeps getting harder yeah like so throughout the game you can kind of use your arms 
and reach out and grab these poles and swing through them and kind of keep going. Well, for this one, the poles have trumpets on them. Right. So there's some of the trumpets are in the middle, some are at the top, and some kind of go back and forth while you're platforming across. And if you hit like just the trumpet part, it just makes like a or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. so it really makes it, it much more precise of like reaching out. So you, if, you might have to jump across and then now reach up at an angle or you're going to hit the horn the wrong way. And, and time it out and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was very cool that there was like this, this mixture of, you know, cute, childlike, and then actually very difficult platforming. Right. There's another aspect to these, uh, this world itself too. And it's the puzzle element. And mm-hmm. and it's weird because at first I didn't know what I was doing. And eventually you start figuring out, cause I don't remember playing this level when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I must not have gotten this far, but there's these little metronomes that are scattered around the level. Mm-hmm. And it, you don't really know where you need to go because you have to hold them for quite a while, mm-hmm. but you have to, you have to actually drop them off. Like with this bird, I yeah. guess he's like conducting or something. Yeah, he's like a songbird or something. Yeah. And then he'll like move out of your way. But if you don't get to him with that, you have to go back and find it. So it, it's really hard because you have to hold on to that. And when you're holding something, you obviously can't grab other things. Right. So you have to think about how am I going to grab this metronome? Can I throw it to this next platform or can I, you know, throw it and grab it in the air and then move over here? And mm-hmm. there's like little fans that make it, you know, go up yeah in the air and stuff it's it gets really challenging well and one thing we didn't mention in the fire world is that you can grab a little Ristar statue that's not it looks exactly like the one up ones except for it's just gray right and you don't you can carry those but there's no use for it other than like triggering these other traps events. yeah right. there's like these these cages that come down you can toss uh the the statue on these pressure pads and you're not quite sure if you should continue carrying it throughout the level so when you see these metronomes in the game it's kind of like misleading as to maybe I just need it for this one little part and I don't need to carry it all the way through the level, right. which you find out that you do, which I thought was really cool. So it made you, it kind of misled you with something they had you do earlier in the game, which I thought was clever. Yeah. And the boss of this game too is, it's kind of interesting. It's, and again, it's like this, this hawk. Yeah. It's like conducting and has these little, those little bobby bird heads, mm-hmm. you know, the ones that kind of bob up and down and those things like come down and try to smash you and you have to like, you know, break pieces off of them like their hats and their eyes fall off and all that mm-hmm. stuff it was a cool boss fight and i think all the bosses start getting more challenging more challenging yeah. and that's it's a pretty cool aspect why don't we get in some more music though yeah so our next set of tracks is ring rink and ice scream as composed by tomoko sasaki for Ristar and the sega genesis
just heard Ring Rink and Ice Scream, composed by Tomoko Sasaki for Restar on the Sega Genesis. Man, those are hard names to say. Dude. <laughs> yeah, Ring. they had a lot of fun with those titles. Yeah, I don't think... I, if you guys couldn't tell what I said when I was bringing the track in, it's because... I don't. I can't pronounce that. Yeah, it's just too hard. They're too close together. Yeah, too close. Anyways, those are probably some of the best tracks in the game. Oh yeah, so good. I mean, there's so much going on. There's so many little nuances and details. You really, you you can't pick up just if you're not concentrating on it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're playing the game, it's you know I don't remember it being this deep and this rich. Yeah. And then you know me and you now listening to it, I'm just like, man, these are really good. Yeah, and uh, so good. just watching you too, just like. Yeah, I mean, I was just telling you that maybe one of the reasons why, uh, in case you couldn't tell by the titles, this is, this is an ice world, but I was just telling you maybe one of the reasons why this wasn't such an annoying ice world is that the music was just so good. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and ice levels always kind of suck, you know, sliding around and mm-hmm. stuff, but no, the music was super chill. Yeah. I can say that. I mean, it, it was a super mellow track yeah. and uh, kind of fits. It has the little twinkling ice feel to a little it bit, yeah especially in the beginning echoes and stuff yeah but at the same time you know like it if you heard this out of context it's still a rad track yeah i mean to me um listening to it outside of outside of playing the game it really reminded me even of like a david wise donkey kong track like it's so good it's so complex it doesn't necessarily have like hitting you over the head with this ice sound to it it just kind of like goes off into this just really great song right um and it's just a really great example of you know late in the genesis what it could really do like after people had spent years figuring out how to push it like i think that this was a, an amazing track right i like the bridge and then how it comes in with like i guess like a flute or an ocarina or something it mm-hmm. starts playing at the end it's so cool and the second track too it feels like it's a continuation of i mean yeah okay so this is this is round five one and five two so they're back to back but this track does kind of feel like it's it's kind of like it's sister track it's meant yeah. to be together it keeps some of the same elements the same themes as the first one and does it in a new way there's mm-hmm. a new um, melody and a new you know bridge and i think that it still is a, is an amazing track it's cool yeah i mean we've seen a lot of games that that have the option of either making both tracks feel very similar or kind of making them deviate and i usually tend to prefer them being similar but but different yeah um I, I agree i think this one this track is is similar enough to the first one that they feel like they go together at the beginning of it, it just screamed sonic to me like it, it just it ice screamed sonic <laughs> yeah ice screamed sonic wow. <laughs> but i mean this this track is very smooth uh, which also kind of made me feel like a little bit of sonic but um i love the really soft like uh synth sounds in the background and the right. kind of those those bubbly scales um because one thing that's great is in this level is the return of some swimming. So you get to swim in some freezing water. Which, right, um, right. So you get to do a little bit more swimming, which was great. But I mean, the, the echoes too kind of lend itself to the swimming parts of it, but also was just a great addition to the song. And you're in this weird ice palace cave. I, this level is actually called Planet Freon. Mm-hmm. It's basically an ice planet, but it just like the water levels, like you were saying, it's not too. It's not overly annoying. Now it yeah. does. There are some parts where you're sliding around. It's totally uncontrollable what you can do, and that kind of sucks. But uh, the, the the platforming elements that are retained throughout this mm-hmm. game are present here, and being able to traverse with just like your arms mm-hmm. and monkey around, you know, like certain areas and avoid sliding is is pretty fun. It it yeah. makes it 
an enjoyable level to play. Yeah, and I think one of the things with ice levels for me is that they usually just seem to make simple platforming really, really difficult. And I didn't find that I had too much trouble in this level. There wasn't a lot of like falling into areas that I was before and then trying to do it over and over. So that really didn't hit to be very annoying to me. So I think that was why I really like this as a level. The sliding was a fun new mechanic and they didn't make it too difficult or the platforming wasn't too ridiculous. In all of the levels and throughout the whole game, there's so many different fun little things that they throw in, like tiny little features, I guess. Like like there's this one part in this level and I, I can't forget it. And it, it's basically there's these, like I guess they're fish swimming up like a waterfall, like mm-hmm. swimming upstream. And to get out of the water, you have to grab onto these fish as they're swimming upstream. And it's the yeah. funniest looking thing. I was cracking up playing it. Just watching like, you know, Ristar's big hands like around this little tiny fish. Yeah. And it's like going up a waterfall. And, you know, I just thought that was funny. The The boss in this level is is weird. He's like a huge blob, right? Yeah. And he was really cool. He was the first boss that gave me a lot of trouble. I wasn't quite sure what to do. Um, Because, yeah, he's like this giant blue blob that kind of jumps in front of you. And he's like feeding himself. And then um, one of these little, they, he was a bad guy in the beginning of the game, and now he's kind of like your buddy, I guess. Yeah. He brings in like this steaming hot food. I think it's hot curry. Yeah, something like that. And yeah. and I was like, what do I do with this? Like, I thought like, you normally see that as like health type stuff. I'm like, I don't yeah. need this. Like, are you giving me health? Like, how <laughs> do I good. even eat it? Like, so I'm in a boss battle right now. I don't yeah. need anything. Yeah, so he, he kept coming in and it was weird. Um, so then, I mean, you eventually find out that you got to toss the food in his mouth and it hurts him, but he's it's not easy. Like he's, he doesn't yeah. open his mouth a lot. And so it's really a lot of timing and it's, it was a fun battle once you figure out what to do. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. There's something I, I think, so we're talking about the music and it's being, it's really complex and yeah. there's so much going on. And we've talked about the sound chip of the Sega Genesis multiple times before Yeah, the YM 2612. So you got these six channels of FM synth. What I think is really unique is the way that um, Sasaki uses the PSG. You have four extra channels of sound to use, and mm-hmm. she does so many interesting things with it. And I think this is where it really relates to a Sonic title because they use the same sound engine, the same sound driver mm-hmm. in Sonic games that they use for Ristar. And I think that she had so much command over it, she was able to do some pretty wild stuff. And the PSG chip is the same that's used in like the Master System. Mm-hmm. So it's like two sound chips, like two different you know console sound chips packed together and you're able to create something very very rich so i have a little not really a clip it's i'm basically going to take away the channel so let's play this and uh we'll talk about it in a sec okay so this is the first track of the game this is that first level that we played earlier and go ahead and fade out the and this is just the psg now by itself Mm -hmm. so you can see how like complex it is Mm -hmm. yeah like this is added to the already use six channels yeah and, and so i mean this could be like a game boy track and so mm-hmm. you know that's wild she's doing a lot yeah. of cool stuff i mean this could have been by itself yeah so it's it's really cool that she was able to use all of the hardware to its to its limits and able to do something really cool with it anyways let's get into our next set of tracks we're gonna play lock up from round six and then the theme of kaiser greedy game
That was Lock Up and Greedy Game, composed by Tomoko Sasaki for Restar on the Sega Genesis. Man, there's a lot darker and menacing than any of the other tracks. This is where it really starts to kind of get serious, I think. And yeah. You can tell by the by the tone of the music, and it's just, there's a lot of um, stuff. Like, even the, the graphics it's themselves get mm-hmm. a lot darker and a lot more, I guess, nitty-gritty kind of, you know. Yeah, because in this, this the level for lockup, it's like a, um, it feels like a factory type yeah. thing, like a, um, planet automation. Yeah, so it's it's very uh, very dark. There's a lot more blacks and, and darker colors used in the palette, which really kind of like you said fits with the song. Um, I thought it was very cool for that track. It has a lot of the the classic like Genesis screechy synth sounds. Yeah, but they used it really well. Like sometimes we see games and songs that are just like, wow, that is terrible. I cannot like yeah. that's so hard to hear. I thought this was used in a really good way. It's still kind of offensive to your ear, but not yeah. in a bad way. Like the the bass, uh, you know, it was funny because I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, what does that sound like? It's so like, I mean, yeah, okay, it's FM synth bass. So mm-hmm. it, when it gets really deep, it's gonna have this really kind of like a like a zipper sound, mm-hmm. and it it sounds like basically like that like a zipper inside of a bass drum is really uh like a dirty bass but i i liked that mm-hmm. I, I i like that sound yeah i mean it, it was it was really great it just added to the 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 feeling of the level um it made it feel scarier and darker like you said like you're getting closer to the end things are going to get harder i really loved how heavy the drums were it made it feel like machine parts moving around kind of banging around which i thought was very right. cool for this level there's a lot of little hidden things in there too in the sound it's mm-hmm. like you hear like a little kind of like screeching noise and it kind of fades over to the other side you know pans over to the left pans over the right and mm-hmm. kind of kind of hides in the background you know it just it adds to that that complexity in this really kind of dark feel mm-hmm. um man how about that greedy game track oh wow like, wow isn't it, that rad I, this is not how i remember it and like playing it at all like i think i was just so zeroed in uh, at this point i was like you know that you're in the last level it's a frantic level anyway yeah. you know and man that the track really starts out kind of slow very menacing uh, it gave me this feeling of like a like a spider like creeping up on its prey and then it just explodes and yeah it goes was, into double time oh man that was so crazy like yeah. so much going on a lot of great sounds and just super intense and i just can't believe if you were to look at the beginning and the end together like the, the change in intensity and the tempo was just nuts it's hard to see that it's the same composer doing the same game you know mm-hmm. it feels like two completely different games all yeah. together and I, I like that i thought this track was wild like you know i when I was listening to it earlier, I was listening. I think I was listening to it in the car or something, and it was like, "Oh man, I like I like this track." You know, trying to think about you know different things that I was hearing and and uh, hearing the end now with you, like especially with you know headphones and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, the, everything really comes out, and mm-hmm. you can hear it in the way it was attended. And just what a good track! Yeah, I mean, and it's just great to see like these these songs create such an emotional feeling not and it wasn't like nostalgia like like you said you didn't get to this until recently no you and i both beat the game so it was just like a week ago i don't have like nostalgia for that but yeah it's just like it brings out this intense like panic like right. once it gets that double time it reminded me of being in that that final boss battle and it was right. just so intense yeah that was a fun battle too yeah that was it was really good i, I don't think it was so overly challenging that you know, I wanted to rage quit or anything like that. It was, mm-hmm. it was just hard enough to where I, you know, I had to try it a few times, but mm-hmm. not too bad. Like yeah. I, I thought it was a fun boss. He, uh, he's, he's such a, he's such a Mac daddy sitting there. Like, you know, in the beginning he's, he has his legs crossed and he's kind of sitting on this like invisible throne and mm-hmm. just, 
I don't know. He's a cool looking sprite. He's a cool looking boss. Yeah. No, and his fight, like you said, is awesome. Like it, there's these parts where he disappears and you know he's going to disappear, but there's not really like much of a tell. Like he doesn't like blink or do anything. Right. To, he's like, just gone. Yeah. And then like you have to kind of wait like a uh, almost like a certain number of seconds before he comes back and you don't know exactly where he's going to come back. So you kind right. of jump and reach it at nothing and hope that he's there. And so I thought that was that, that sense of randomness, even though it was once you look back at it, you could tell where he was going to be. You just didn't know how soon he was going to pop right, up. Right, right, right. It just made it awesome because your arms reach out and then you just grab him and headbutt him. And I was like, oh man, it made you feel amazing to like he wasn't even there i knew he was going to be and so yeah. i uh, thought that was really cool very victorious when you when you finally do the final blow it's just mm-hmm. it was cool yeah, yeah. i enjoyed well, it well and one thing to think about too that why these last this last world could be so different is that we've we've gone through all the planets and now we're in like his castle so yeah. those were kind of like all of like the themes of the planets like the ice and the right. fire and music and now we're into his castle which is like his zone so i thought that was really cool to yeah. see that it got its own different kind of treatment. Right. So you, you said you were talking like we played all the music from all the levels. What we didn't play yet, though, is the bonus round mm-hmm. uh, music. So let's fire that up real quick. It's formation lap and ready, go. was the bonus music formation lap and ready go for Ristar on the sega genesis that first track is so cool man it's yeah. like just a few seconds long really i mean you know there's an extra loop in there but it's it's cool it's it's chill i like that yeah it really for me it was very sonic as soon as it popped up i was like whoa yeah. this totally reminds me of sonic but i mean we've talked about sonic and the connection with this game so much but uh, so it's not surprising but yeah very cool for a very short track yeah and the next track too it's I been mean, it's it's cool it's not meant to be very long because these bonus stages are only you know a minute long they're mm-hmm. only meant they're meant to be quick it's like a speed run kind of thing where yeah. you have to kind of get to the ending to collect like the emerald or the crystal or whatever uh, you know it's just trying to get that that chaos emerald no i'm just kidding yeah <laughs> but no, no no it's it's really just essentially like a speed run you're yeah. trying to get to the end as fast as you can within the time limit it's hard i got to two of them and that yeah. was it i didn't get to any of them i didn't know what was going on so when i saw when i when do when we were doing research i saw there's bonus stages when i beat the game i was like i didn't come across any bonus stages i, I don't know what's <laughs> going on with that so um but that second track I, I mean i've put this library on random a whole bunch of times and this song's popped up a lot so to me that uh, ready go track really reminds me of restart yeah it felt very familiar even though you've never played the yeah. level uh, that's funny no i same thing for me like I was really kind of reluctant to think, I mean, I wasn't really sure where we would put these in the game, Mm -hmm. like in our, in our episode, we were kind of talking about it. I was like, well, you know what? Like we don't want to put them after a level or something. We just, 
let's put them in their own like little yeah. section and play them because it's you know th- these are hard to come by but uh you know in the game mm-hmm. but uh when you do it's fun and it's definitely a cool little thing thrown in and i think that that does make it very sonic like you know yeah. it is trying to get one certain item certain gem to collect for the the end game it doesn't really matter if you miss it so. yeah Anyways, this game was also released on the Game Gear as well. Yeah, it's it's actually a pretty faithful port. A lot of people liked it. Yeah, I saw it had pretty high scores for um, its, you know, aggregate. Yeah, the screen is a little bit cropped in because that's what you get with the Game Gear resolution. But otherwise, it looked pretty identical, you know. Yeah. And this game also was re-released in 2002 as part of the Sega Mega Collection Plus for PlayStation 2, GameCube, and Xbox as an unlockable game. And this game featured seven default Sonic games and several unlockable games. Along Ristar, you had Flicky, The Ooze, Comic Zone, and Blue Sphere. And it's interesting, in the GameCube version, to unlock Ristar, you had to play Sonic 3 and Knuckles, Knuckles in Sonic 2, Flicky, and Blue Sphere each 30 times. Just to unlock, yeah. The, just to unlock the game. Jeez, yeah. did they did they even want people to play it? <laughs> like, I don't know if it meant beat the game or just turn it on and turn it off, turn it on, turn it off thirty right. times each. But that's still a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't know that, you probably weren't yeah. playing this game. And then it, the game also actually came out on the Wii Virtual Console in two thousand six for about eight hundred Wii points, which is about eight dollars. Yeah, so. I think it's worth that. I yeah, think, oh, I, mean, I would totally pay eight dollars to have it on like the three DS or. Even oh yeah, the Wii U or something. Yeah, I mean, I think now nowadays, I think more likely people would pay for it if it was like six bucks. I think. Yeah. Isn't that what Genesis games and Super NES games are going for on the? E-shop? I think so, so. Something around there. Yeah, it would yeah. be a little high to be at eight dollars, but. Hey, you know, like it's this a great was game. 2006, so I think the virtual con- the virtual console was new at that mm-hmm. point. I mean, it was like Nintendo's first kind of leap, and they did a really great job. With, I mean, virtual console is awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. Everything that comes out is, you know, there. Yeah, there's some sinkers on there but yeah but i mean it's a it's a great way to not let games die yeah and let new gamers experience them mm-hmm. if you know it may not be as attractive as something new coming out but mm-hmm. uh you know maybe maybe their father is like oh man i played that game we got to download yeah. it and, you know. or say if they ever to make a sequel to restar and they just pop restar on the the virtual console and people are like oh this game's coming out i want to play the original i never got a chance on the genesis there you go Another strong link to Sonic was the prototype design of a star named Feel, and the character had a striking resemblance to Sonic being a yellow and black rabbit, and even had the same, like, identical Sonic shoes. Yeah. So Rissar also performed cameos in a lot of other Sega games, like Shenmue, where he's one of those little gacha palm balls. Yeah, that's pretty kinda, cool. Yeah, I thought that was cool, because I remembered him, and I was playing Shenmue with a, a friend. I remember we were playing it together when he came out, because it was so mind-blowing you know mm-hmm. at the time we we're playing and he's like what is that i was like it's Ristar, man yeah Come on. don't you know yeah and so but yeah no so he does make a few other cameos in like uh sega gaga and sonic and sega all-star racing yeah. so there's also um some codes for this game too the magoro code which is the only one you got to know yeah. it's unlocks the sound test but there's like you know once to unlock certain levels and yeah there's like a boss rush mode there's like invincibility uh, there's one code that does like the job of multiple codes um, yeah and then you have to have a code to turn them off i mean there's a ton of codes yeah. in this game but look them up on game facts they're, they're yeah. all listed there anyways we're getting to our last track and it's called star humming
That was Star Humming, composed by Tomoko Sasaki for Restar on the Sega Genesis. Favorite track, mm-hmm. hands down. That is my favorite track. I've listened to that like, you know, probably fifty times in the last mm-hmm. few weeks, and it's it's so fun. Like, it's got like this kind of up tempo reggae beat, and mm-hmm. uh, just goes through these different. I mean, yeah, it's there's got everything from every part of this game. It's got those little voices, and it's mm-hmm. got uh, these really long rounded notes, and then it's got some weird like, like check it out or yeah. something you know like like here we sing, go yeah here we go <laughs> yeah and uh no nah, it's just it's a great it's a great song I like yeah it. i mean this was i thought this was such a great track that had so many different things going for it it's done so well i mean it had great little riffs in different parts um i really like the voice samples it was just kind of like wow that was really cool because i mean later on in systems we saw that all the time it was so easy to do voice samples and for that it was just like wow that was really cool like you could tell what they were saying and and i just thought everything was done so well i liked even like the little crunchy little like sprite chorus kind of sounds to it i thought it was very cool and with this game coming out so late i really I, i feel very comfortable feeling that this was like one of the last you know great games really sega saying you know, this is the end of our system. This is like our shining piece. Like this is what we it's, could do at the top of our ability for this. It's the excellent farewell yeah. game for this system. I mean, and this came out late. I think a lot of people didn't get to play it, didn't get to experience it simply because, you know, the PlayStation was almost out. Right. Just a and, couple months later. And, right. And the, the Saturn was just a, a few months later too. Yeah, and that was already out in Japan when this game came out right. in America. So. Yeah, in 94. So, I mean, just it just didn't get the attention i mean there's a lot of people that liked it don't get me wrong but it just didn't get the same amount of i think respect because of its timing and Mm -hmm. we see that happen with other games as well this is nothing new but i mean it's just being so late um a lot of people didn't experience it and there's a lot of ways to go back now and play it Mm -hmm. you know whether it be emulation or it be virtual console or some of these compilation games you know there's there's means to play it and you, you should and i wish sega would i mean it's hard to say. Like, could they make a sequel? I mean, honestly, they probably. Mm. Yeah, they probably. It would be like oh, we gotta have this deep story, lots of talking. What's Ristar's voice gonna be like? And it's just gonna be like really convoluted and it's not make be, any sense. It's gonna be basically what Sonic is now. Yeah, and fortunately. Yeah, but if at least they, you know, like you were saying, like if he put, if they put Nintendo put Ristar in Smash Brothers. Yeah. Oh, oh man, he would be such a cool character. He would have a great variety of moves. I was even thinking like his his you know up jump. Um, you, you use it a lot to get to the ledges. Could just yeah. be like reaching up and grabbing someone, yeah. or or doing the little star boost. Um, I think he would just be such a cool little character that would uh, like some of these other ones that they've been adding in. It would not only create awareness of some of these characters that people might have missed but for the people that enjoyed them it would be really exciting like when they had a duck hunt dog like that was so cool like yeah it it made you f- remember how great some of those games were and i think ristar is one that deserves something like that like they added yeah. sonic like let's see and then some more Sega and then characters. they would turn him into amiibo and we would have to buy that yeah oh i totally would buy a ristar amiibo <laughs> yeah that'd be sick anyways so today we covered ristar on the sega genesis composed by tomoko sasaki If you want to know more about the show, you can check us out online at pixelatedaudio.com for show notes and track lists. We can also be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Pixelated Audio. Anyways, yeah, if you guys could leave some comments, we'd love love reading those, and it's always important to hear what you guys have to say. And if there's any games you want to to hear, definitely let us know. You know, we're always looking for new stuff. And, you know, even though we have stuff lined up 
for future episodes you know we definitely it's it's mm-hmm. up to us we can put in whatever we want we can yeah. change it up so like today we decided to do restar and we weren't planning on it you know a week ago so mm-hmm. it's uh it's always there's always room for adding new stuff in and finding new stuff and we just love engaging with you guys hearing what kind of games you guys like and but we just love getting comments of people saying i love that game a lot of people didn't know about it and we've had people send right. in photos of them holding their their copies of these games that are really rare or you know were missed and it's just really fun for us yeah anyways if you're new to the podcast make sure you check out some of our past episodes um man what have we done we've done a handful now oh yeah we've covered a lot of big franchises like mega man turtles but then we also have a lot of like, you know, I sent you Nicole out Foxy's. Yeah. I was just thinking that, I mean, a lot of game. we try to cover games that people may have missed, but then also have some that, yeah. People well, the really double liked. dragon two episode, I had a blast recording yeah. that and there's some amazing music and they go back yeah. and check that out. If like you got two hours and you want to hear about pretty much every different iteration that double dragon came out on. Then yeah. If it. you think you've known everything there is to know about double dragon music, you know, listen and there's gotta be something that's going to surprise you because mm-hmm. there's a lot of good stuff. Anyways, the track taking us out, this is an OC Remix track, and it's a, it's a really interesting one because it's done by the Southwestern College Afro-Cuban Jazz Ensemble, mm-hmm. and I, I really like this track when I heard it, and I played it for you, and you were like, wow, that's right, we gotta have that in there. And these are all college students that did this, with the exception of their instructor. I guess that they were rehearsing a bunch of different songs for uh, the end of semester concert, and they needed some more, so one of the, the students actually went in and he loved this game so we kind of composed this Mm -hmm. version for the jazz ensemble and they ended up playing it and then i guess the jazz ensemble didn't actually get to keep going the the next year so it's kind of a sad story but this Mm -hmm. they actually released in a cd and so it's pretty rad but uh yeah you guys i think you'll you guys will like it a lot stay tuned next week because we're gonna have our uh we're gonna have a special kind of expansion pack for halloween yeah yeah something a little spooky something a little spooky and I still don't know what I'm going to pick yet. Me either. We'll find out. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. This track is called Fiesta Amongst the Trees. (laughs) 